big week, huh? Big week. The week that we spent virtually all offseason talking about. The week that we've been waiting on since the disaster last year. It is here. OU Texas week. How we feeling, by the way? How we feeling, text line? We nervous? Confident? Excited? All of the above? I like All of the emotions, Parker? You are going to hit all of those multiple times at uh, one point or another this week. This is a big, big week, and I think the obvious question to start this week off is, what could this mean for the 2024 recruiting class? Like We've talked for a few weeks now that you're getting towards the end. Your board doesn't look as full as it did a month ago right now. So what would a win do for this 2024 class? What would a loss do? for this 2024 class will it play or will it have a major impact one way or another on what happens on Saturday I think it can whether it will or not is an entirely different conversation now I do think if you win on Saturday it makes it pretty inexcusable for Grant Bricks to go anywhere but the University of Oklahoma sure with the way Nebraska is playing Mm -hmm. and the mediocre start that Kansas State has gotten off to so Does it cement your status as the top contender for several of your key targets down the stretch? Yeah, probably so. I mean, you already feel pretty good about where you stand with Eddie Pierre-Louis and Michael Boganowski and, of course, Bricks and got another guy coming in on an official visit next month and Reggie Powers. So, or shoot, I guess it's October now. It's this month. But uh, a win against Texas, you stretch this thing to 6-0. Certainly, man, at that point, people start to take note of what Oklahoma is doing, particularly offensively. And I think at that point, another guy that could come back into play, even more so than he already is, is one Bryant West. Ooh, buddy. Let's talk about it. Five-star wide receiver from the state of Texas, huh? Might have some eyeballs on Mikes. this game in uh, Dallas on Saturday. Yeah, I'm, just, this... I'm not saying be there. I say might have some eyeballs. Yeah, sure. Just, just might have some eyeballs. No, I, I think of what you said. Um, I think I agree with all of that. It's if you win this game, and I think that there's a lot of people, I think there's a lot of recruits right now that believe it's not what it was last year. And this program is heading in the right direction, and they're about to, or like they, they believe that they're about to do big things. Danny Okoye, right? The number one player in the state, virtually like committed to OU, and one of the first things he always mentions is, the defense is much better this year. That was a big point of emphasis for me. But if you win on Saturday, like that's that's the proof right there, man. You win on Saturday, you start 6-0, and you beat a top three team on a neutral field. That's the point where I think everyone nationally has to say, yeah, that was a one-year thing. They are much better this year, and they have a real legitimate chance to win the Big 12 and push for a college football playoff berth. So I feel like you've got a lot of momentum as we sit here today. But if you win that game, this fan base is going to be on fire. Does it get you grit bricks? I don't know. But you're going to have some real, real momentum moving forward here on the recruiting trail. And like you said, too, with Grant Bricks, like it just further separates you from Nebraska. And you're already separated by them by quite a, uh, quite a bit. But they already have three losses. You could be 6-0 and and right outside the top five potentially. Yeah, this could really, this could really give you a big push for the remainder of your 24 targets. It's a big moment, man. I mean, if we're if we're bringing this back to Wesco, the five star receiver, yeah, let's out of do Midlothian, that, please. Texas. I mean, look, 
the board is pretty small, as you mentioned, at this point in 2024, and the majority of the guys that Oklahoma is still pursuing are uncommitted. You got a couple of guys that the Sooners are making an effort to flip, most notably, well, and pretty that that list basically consists of Wesco and Winery. Outside of those two, I'm not really sure that Oklahoma makes a serious push to flip anybody else. But no other receiver. Like it's it's West yeah, is it Westco yeah, or Wesco Wesco or you call it good with the five commits you have. If you're Bryant Wesco and you're drawing the C D Lamb comparisons and your stock is as high as any receiver in the country, save for Jeremiah Smith on the recruiting trail, and you've got your pick of the litter as to where you can play college football and you're watching what Clemson has done offensively, or rather hasn't done offensively through five weeks, and then you turn your head and you pay attention to what the wide receiver play at the University of Oklahoma has been like through five weeks, it's night and day, Tyler. And that alone isn't going to make the decision for the kid. It's not like he's going to say, oh, okay, wide receiver play is better at Oklahoma. Change of plans, that's where I'm going. There's obviously more to the puzzle than that. But... Undoubtedly, it's something that Emmett Jones, at the very least, can go put in front of the kid and say, hey, I'm going to make you tell me no again, because look yeah. at what we're doing compared to what they're doing. Well, what look you, at what my group is doing compared to what Clemson That just doing. feels like that's what's going on right now. It, without me talking to the kid, it's, yeah, he's still a Clemson commit right now. But I just get the feel, Parker, that he is noticing, absolutely noticing, what OU is doing right now offensively. And Emmett Jones is going to continue to push like, hey, man, just just to let you know, this is what we have going on. So what I think, and again, this is without talking to the kid, what I think it's imminent right now that Bryant Wesco flips from Clemson to OU or anywhere else, no. And disagree with any of this, but it really feels like Bryant Wesco is very tuned in into what OU has been doing and what they will be doing here moving forward. All fair to say? Certainly. He's de- absolutely Certainly paying fair. attention to what's going on here. Yes, and I know that for a fact. I know Bryant Wesco is paying attention to what's going on at Oklahoma. Again, that doesn't mean he flips. And so I, I said it in the 12 o'clock hour. I will say it again. If the kid signs with Clemson in December, don't come back at me on the tax line and be like, why were we talking up the possibility of a flip? I'm not trying to talk up the possibility of a flip yet. I think there's still a couple hurdles you got to – get past if you're Oklahoma, and I think that starts with winning this weekend against Texas. But I, as I've mentioned several times on these airwaves, Oklahoma never cut off contact with the kid. They kept talking to him. They have continued to talk with him. And if Clemson continues to scuffle offensively, Wesco is a five-star receiver, and especially a guy whose parents were very involved in the decision and tried to make sure he was making the best call for him from a personal and from a football standpoint, if you're looking at it through that lens and you're seeing Clemson's offense display some major question marks, then, yeah, man, you're at the very least going to take a strong second look at what Oklahoma can offer you. From the 405, mark it down, gentlemen. OU 44, Texas 24, followed up by a 56-14 win in the Big 12 Championship. You heard it here first. Woo-hoo. First text of the week for us. 
And, buddy, that one is piled with optimism. They're going to beat him by 20 on Saturday, and when they meet again, they're going to destroy him again in the Big 12 championship. That, that time, 56-14. Man. Somebody in the 918 says, I want OU to win just to shut Brandon Walker up. I don't think that I, I don't think any amount of wins is going to shut Brandon Walker up, unfortunately. I don't think that there is a win total that will do that. And in fact, I don't want to hear the episode where Brandon Walker's giving it up to OU. I, I don't want to hear that. Let him be a troll that we all make fun of about his football IQ. Five eight oh is the staff still in contact with Sammy Brown. I, 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 yes. I don't think Sammy Brown decommits. I think it is far more likely that Bryant Wesco decommits than Sammy Brown. 214 recruiting, I feel great. UT, I am nervous. We haven't seen a big three like they have so far this season. Yeah, it's um their wide receivers are gonna be a challenge, but like for as good as their wide receiver core is, and we'll see if Jatavian Sanders is available or not for them at tight end. That's actually a a pretty big deal. Come on, like don't you feel confident that OU can hold their own in the secondary against these Texas wide receivers? I mean, I do. I, I mean, I, I don't think that Texas is going to hit on zero big plays on Saturday. I think they'll hit on a big play or two. But the way Gentry Williams is playing and Woody Washington and what you got at Cheetah and safety, like OU's – I think OU can hold up just fine against that Texas passing game. Is there a guy on Oklahoma's defense that is legitimately blossoming – more quietly than Gentry Williams right now? And, and in more ways than one, right? Like, he is kind of the total package at, at corner. Like, some guys maybe have, you know, just unique, rare cover skills, but maybe they're not great against the run, right? Like, maybe they don't want to put their nose in the run game. That's not Gentry, man. Like, I, I tweeted it out uh, about an hour ago. I, I remember, you know, being like, yeah, Gentry, during the game on Saturday. He sheds a block and just comes up and makes a tackle for like a two or a three yard loss, you know. And that's just it just stuck out to me because that's not a play by OU's corners that we've seen in a nope. while, and that's a regular occurrence nope. for a guy like him. So he can cover. He comes up with with takeaways. He's also great against the run. Like, yeah, I mean, yes, Gentry is like Peyton Bowen is a star, but we already know that Gentry Williams like is is a star as well, dude. He's really good. And we really haven't seen Woody Washington be tested all, all that much this year. So we'll get to see, uh, hopefully, the best of what Woody Washington has to offer this coming Saturday, too. So I just, I, I feel okay about OU's pass defense against uh, Quinn Ewers throwing the ball down the field. I, I think they'll hold up fine. Woody's had a moment or two against Texas in the past. That was really where his coming out party happened back in 2020. Yeah. He had been playing mostly safety to that point in the season. And for lack of a better option, Oklahoma threw him out there at cornerback, and that's where he really became, began to become the best cornerback on Oklahoma's roster that season. And really ever since then, he's been the guy that you can count on the most in coverage. Colin KC says, I want to point something out that no one else has brought up. Through five games, OU has only given up 54 points. That's 10.8 points per game for opponents. But the more impressive stat is OU has only allowed 14 total points in the second half of games this year so far. Opponents are averaging 2.8 points in the second half of games. In-game adjustments have improved uh, 100 times since last year. It's true, man. Like Travis and I talked about that on the post-game show on Saturday. How many bad quarters has OU had defensively this year? Three? What? The second quarter against Tulsa was not great. And then if you just want to count the first half against Iowa State, 
um, two or three, whatever. But after that, they come back and play really good defense. You know, like that score. If this was three, four years ago, you know, the final score to that game is what fifty to forty-two, fifty to forty-five, and it ends up being a barn burner all the way towards the end. But this time around, OU can rally. They can play consecutive quarters of good defense, and it was fifty to twenty instead, and a really good win. Just it's just different around here defensively. It is different, much different. and I, I think the most encouraging thing right now is that you're not seeing guys get down on themselves. You're not seeing this unit get down on themselves when they concede a big play, because that happened on multiple occasions. It, well, two most specifically that went for the long touchdowns, but even so, Iowa State had several other chunk plays in the first half, but. Man, when push came to shove and Oklahoma had their backs against the wall in those situations, they always tightened it down. And on a broader scale, man, they tightened it down in a huge way over the last 39 minutes of play. Well, how about, how about this, too? Colin KC mentions that through five games, only OU has only given up 54 points, and, and that's a good number. But let's look at it this way as well. They've only given up 54, and I'm counting special teams as well. How many points have they generated as a defense and a special teams. Gavin Freeman's had a punt return touchdown. Danny Stutzman's had a pick six. Billy Bowman's had a pick six. You had a punt block for a safety on Saturday. And that's not even counting the first punt block by Peyton Bowen that sets up a touchdown against SMU. So just actual points there, Parker. Like You've given up 54, but you've generated 23 points on your own with defense and special teams. So, like... Net positive, negative, like it, it even looks better when you factor in the points that you've actually scored yourself. But is this the real test this weekend? Sure, yes, it is. Yeah, this is the real test. And, man, what, what I want to see, and I think what we need to see from this Oklahoma football team Saturday against Texas, as I think about how that game has flowed in recent years, we can't see him come out of the gate slow. Nope. It's because happened the past two it, years. You're it right. happened in 21. It happened in 22. And I, I know this, and we just talk, We just got done talking about it. Uh, this team seems to play with a greater degree of belief and resilience than they have in the past. But that's the number three team in the nation that you're playing on Saturday. And you're not going to have as much leeway to mess around and make mistakes as you had against teams like Tulsa and Iowa State. So... You better bring your A game in an overall sense, but I want to see how Oklahoma comes out in the first quarter and how they perform early in this contest and whether they can go seize the momentum from Texas rather than giving the initiative to the Longhorns. Uh, Okay, we got September recruiting winners coming up next. We'll review how the uh, big visit weekend was, mostly big for uh, 2025 prospects. We'll run that down and a whole lot more. Locked in with McComas and Thune rolls on next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune, and of course, the Ref Army as well, listening worldwide. They're listening in LaPorte, Minnesota today, Union City, California, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Abilene, Texas, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, Castle Rock, Colorado, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and our small Oklahoma town of the day met a very loyal member of the Ref Army Saturday from Wilson, Oklahoma. Appreciate uh, all of our listeners down in uh, southern Oklahoma. But uh, whereabouts is Wilson? Uh, it's just just goes south somewhere. It's, uh, it's south around somewhere. There. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, we we had some uh, 
we we had some uh, acquaintances. Uh, we we knew the same people basically. Right? Gotcha, gotcha. So it was it was cool to meet that guy. Uh, that's brought to you by Affordable Door Company, Ref Army Locator. Brought to you by Affordable Door Company. They do residential garage doors, commercial garage doors, service and repair garage door openers as well. 405-635-9499. 405-635-9499. Affordable Door Company. Uh, okay, a lot of you are mentioning this on the text line right now. Yes, it is being reported. I don't know how big of a news it is. Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, our commissioner, will be uh, at the football game on Saturday. Brent Yormark, commissioner of the Big 12, will not be uh, at the game on Saturday. Which I guess I don't really fault Brett Yormark for not. I mean, oh, what was he to do? Show up and get booed, I, I guess. So Sankey's going to be there, which is cool. Maybe, maybe they'll uh, announce. Maybe they'll let Sankey do the coin toss before the game or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll introduce him somehow. Don't ask him to to lead an SEC chant amongst both fan bases. I hate those idiots at Texas. I don't want to join them in any chance. Here's my thought: Don't tranquilize Bevo like they typically do. Whoever can ride Bevo for longer between Sankey and your mark gets to keep OU in Texas. Well, it would be Sankey. It would be Sankey. There's no way your mark. But at least your mark would hire it out to somebody well, else. Well, th- at least then your mark couldn't be mad. <laughs> well, somehow he would be. Somehow he would be. He'd be throwing shade somewhere. Uh, September recruiting winners in college football for what the third, fourth consecutive month. OU is considered a winner in the month of September. Two overall commits. Both of those go to Miguel Chavis, uh, Danny Okoye. And Nigel Smith, both four-star defensive linemen. So the uh, the recruiting winners, according to On3, A&M was one, Texas was one, OU was one, Texas Tech was one just because of five-star Micah Hudson. Sure, yeah. And then Kentucky, who had four commits. But doesn't it feel like it's been three or four consecutive months where one of the major services that says, yes, OU is a recruiting winner for this month? I guess that's the advantage of getting – Started a little bit later in the cycle than, than most schools. That is true. Oklahoma didn't have their first commit of the 2024 cycle until Jeremiah Newcomb on March 25th. And it wasn't until June that things really, truly got rolling for Oklahoma. So the vast majority of their commits have come in the months of June, July, August, September. Not not that shocking to see him named as a winner again because Nigel Smith and Danny Okoye – you don't even re- you don't even really need anybody beyond that to make the case for Oklahoma as a national winner. Those two are studs, blue chips across the board, excellent football players, and recruited primarily by the same man, Miguel Chavis. What's the October outlook for 2024? Is it just a giant question mark at this point for OU? You know, Akin Kumi is going to commit on the 12th. Um, it sounds like Reggie Powers is going to take a visit this month. Yep. Eddie Pierre-Louis is scheduled to take a visit this month. But I, I say question mark in, like, there are some guys who you know will, will be taking OVs. There's at least one with Daniel and Kumi who's going to visit, and we all think it's going to be OU. But there's some also question mark. There's some question marks there in terms of, is this guy going to announce a date? Is this guy going to an- announce in the month of October? And I'm really talking about Michael Boganowski and Grant Bricks here. So what, what is the October outlook Exactly, for 2024. I'll put it to you this way. I I think Boganowski ends up making a decision in the month of October. 
And if indeed you get a decision in the month of October, I think it's in Oklahoma's favor. So good news, the, yeah. the sooner that one happens. I, I've said this before, but if we were to get out of October without a commitment from Boganowski, I would probably flip my future cast to Kansas State. I still feel good about Oklahoma in that race, though. With Bricks, man, it's it's really tough because – and this is all the evidence you need that this kid's just wired a little bit differently right now. Because you look at the level Oklahoma's playing at, you look at the level Kansas State and Nebraska are playing at, and figure, okay, how is how is this kid not already committed to I mean, they to just Oklahoma? got punked by Michigan. Just, just pummeled by Michigan. Oof. So, I, we've talked about it at length. For anybody that isn't familiar with the kids' recruitment, Bricks is a farm kid from Iowa. And the farm is really all he's ever known. And so staying home has a lot of merit for a kid like that. But Oklahoma is the one school uh, the one school that you could really categorize as non-local because Manhattan to Logan, Iowa, where he's from, is probably two and a half hours, three at most. Oklahoma is seven hours away. And I've mentioned this before. I'll say it again. I think if Oklahoma were as close to Logan as Nebraska and Kansas State are, he'd probably already be committed. Just a question, man, can you get the kid to make the decision for his football future? Yeah. Because Bill Biedenboe's got the strongest football. And Bricks himself has acknowledged this. He says, from a football standpoint, Oklahoma checks every box for me. He has been completely open about it. It's just that. proximity is a big deal. It's all proximity right now. He's got to get and back so, in time for harvest each and every single year. He <laughs> can't be too far away from home. I don't know if the Sooners got to set him up with a summer job at a local cattle ranch to really seal the deal mm-hmm. or – what the case may be, but it's just you got to work past the kids' inhibitions with proximity right now. And if you can succeed in doing that, he's going to end up in your class. I think he ends up in Oklahoma's class still. That's my belief. But as far as the timeline, man, there's just no way of knowing. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked at all. It's like three or four consecutive months that OU's been a recruiting winner. But I just, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. if there's five, six, seven schools listed. In a month's time, I, I won't be shocked at all if OU is one of those schools again because I feel like Akin Kumi is going to pick OU in 10 days. Eddie Pierre-Louis is going to take a visit. He was at UCF this past weekend to see UCF blow a 35-7 lead to Baylor over the weekend, right? Yeah. So could he announce in the month of October? Maybe. If Michael Boganowski, like you're saying, announces in October, then you think it's going to be OU. So I, I think I think this could set up for a very nice... Very nice month of October for the 2024 class. And not a lot of names left on the board, but this could still be a very nice month for uh, OU football crew, especially on the offensive line. Could be a very good month for that. Could could be uh, the best month for the offensive line if everything goes your way. I'm not sure Oklahoma could have had – like. Imagine the best-case scenario with Eddie Pierre-Louis visiting UCF. Like, what is the absolute best-case scenario possible? I'm pretty sure it's what happened. Well, I hope. I just hope he stayed for the entire game and didn't leave, like, midway through the third quarter or anything. Eddie P- EPL, I-, I hope you stayed for all four quarters and watched that comeback. I hope that was the case. But, yeah, he'll, he'll be in uh, Norman next home game uh, here in a, in a few weeks. Uh, 405, get bricks and NIL deal. That includes plane usage so he can travel home when needed. Anything to get back to uh, back to Iowa I, as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mm, 
an NIL deal that includes Planius. I'm not well versed enough to know whether that's actually <laughs> get a him a PJ. But... Come on, get him a private jet. Let's go. <laughs> it's the next Wallace. Evolution. Are you listening? Yeah, come on, Wallace. Sioux City sooner. I says I live in Sioux City. I moved here in 1989 from Oklahoma. I've seen a lot of Iowa football. If that kid wants to play for a copper pig every year, then he stays. But if he wants to play for a championship and the future, he comes to Oklahoma. Drew from Flower Mound says, we're going to beat Texas, and Devin Sanchez is going to commit to OU. How was his visit this last weekend? Yeah, that was probably the biggest uncommitted visitor that they have, uh, or they had over the weekend, I should say. 2025 five-star corner Devin Sanchez, who's, what, a top-ten player in the 25 class? Any intel or scuttlebutts from, uh, from that visit? I haven't had the chance to catch up with Devin Sanchez yet. What we talked about Friday is that I th- I'm pretty sure that's his fourth, maybe fifth trip to Oklahoma. So at the very least, this kid is interested enough that he's making a pretty substantial drive up from the Lone Star State to keep coming back to North. And he's in he's Houston area, correct? Yeah, North Shore. Yeah, he's not, you know, Denton area, um, pretty short drive up there. That's that's a that's a decent little haul down there from Houston. And I'm going to guess that's not the last time he makes it up to Norman uh, either. He'll probably make it up to Norman a few more times, I would guess, if he's already been up here uh, this many times. Speaking of 2025, a lot of 2025 visitors in, and it just it just helps having Kevin Sperry, your quarterback commit for 25 yeah. right down the road. I mean, does it not, man? You know, and, and this staff is fine on their own recruiting. I think that we've seen that, but like quarterbacks are such good peer recruiters. At least we've seen that recently. I think it absolutely helps when you got a big recruiting weekend for 2025 like that and your quarterback commit Kevin Sperry is in. So I, I don't know if anyone's silently committed or if some commits are on the horizon here, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure Kevin Sperry, Carl Albert quarterback, had something to do with it. And, yeah, I do, I, I do think there's at least one commitment on the horizon in the month of October to that point. Sperry's a great peer recruiter, man, and – Quarterbacks are always great peer rec- – well, I shouldn't say always. Typically great peer recruiters. But when you get a guy that is as locked in with his university as Sperry is and is that eager to get to campus and feels that blessed to be a part of a community like the community at the University of Oklahoma, man, it just makes him all the more effective. Uh, from the 918, were there any off-the-book visits on Saturday? Off-the-book well, it's, it's visits that we weren't expecting that didn't happen I, I, is what I'm guessing by off the book. Did Xavier Robinson end up finding a parking spot? Did he end up making it in? That could uh, be he a, did end up making it in, yes. Off the book visits that didn't happen. Yeah, I, 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 I think that listener is asking whether there were any visitors that weren't reported or that were kept quiet. And look... If, if I kept the if I had kept the visit quiet going into the weekend, I'd keep it quiet coming out of the weekend too. But to answer your question, no, there were no off the book visits. Santa John has Nebraska finally ended the consecutive sellout charade. Their st- their stands look to be half full or half empty, as per one's perspective early in the game. Well, they get a uh, normally they they get a donor to buy up two or three thousand yeah, seats, and they're making the stadium smaller. Here in a uh, couple of years, so the sellout streak will. Yeah, stay, and all the uh, all the Nebraska fans are upset about it. The stadium's going to be small. You're not filling the stadium as it is. Yep. 
It'll give you more home field advantage, honestly. That that consecutive sellout streak will go on forever because they'll find a don't. Like that's the thing they have to be most proud of right now, right? If not for the sellout streak, what does Nebraska have at this point? Yeah, what do they, they don't have even to have celebrate? the red balloons anymore. It's they like took on both, away the red balloons. It's like on both sides of the stadium right now, like the consecutive sellout streak. What, are they not going to let a donor buy up all the tickets and just start back at zero again? No, it's the only thing they have to be happy about at this point. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More OU Cruton, yes. We'll talk more OU Texas as well right here on The Ref. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Dorsey Jones is family-owned and operated, established in 2020, but many of their employees have been there for more than 20 years. They sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno. Uh, Okay, text line. Yes, Greg from Lawton is correct. Nebraska still has volleyball. Very proud of that. Sold out that game about a month ago. 817 says, will we have a new kicker this week? I guess after Zach Schmidt missed a field goal or someone's wondering if he's going to be still the kicker this week? Okay, listen, people. Yes, he will be. Yeah, uh, one missed field goal is not enough to crucify the kicker over. How about was... this? How about this? OU is not the team going into Saturday that has the biggest questions at kicker. Texas is the team that has the biggest questions at kicker. So much so... I was watching the Steve Sarkeesian press conference today, Parker. Sark gives his opening statement, talks about Kansas, then talks about OU. The very first question to Sark was about Brett uh, or Burt Auburn. Burt Auburn. He missed two field goals against Kansas. He missed one the week before against no, Baylor. No, Burt. I promise you, Texas is. We'll see how it plays out on Saturday. But as of right now, Texas is more worried about their uh, situation at kicker than OU is. Burt is 0-for-1 lifetime in the Cotton Bowl. So, yeah, there's that. Got that hair, curly hair flowing out of there. That curly Auburn hair. Yeah, Burt. Cameron Dicker and Burt Auburn. They have a type, don't they? They really have a type (sighs) at that position. Yeah, look, if you – to address the text up front, if you were to replace Zach Schmidt with Gavin Marshall or Reddy Mustafaraj or what have you, sooner or later, that guy would miss a kick too. Missing kicks is part of the deal, and you're going to have to deal with one every now and again. Zach Schmidt, for the most part, like he, he hasn't been elite as far as accuracy. He's been above average. Most of his misses have not been by very much. He's not mishitting the ball. I guess is a good way to put it. And when I say that, everybody remembers Gabe Burkich's missed kick in 2020 that would have won the Red River Showdown before was, – was that in the third over? I think that wasn't – it was either the second or the third overtime. But Gabe Burkich completely mishit oh, that okay. kick. It was, it was bad. And so when you see a kicker mishitting his kicks like that, that's typically a good sign that there is something at play that is mental. They are. They have a case of the yips. That's not the case for Zach Schmidt. He's missed a few field goals in his career as the Sooners' starting place kicker. He's never missed by very much. Typically, they're a few inches left, few inches to the right, few inches short. But when you're generally keeping it within the scope of the net, I suppose, 
and I, I don't know offhand what his career percentage is. I want to say it's hovering somewhere around 70 to 75% on field goals. Again, not elite, but Steady uh, acceptable. Yeah. Acceptable. KA and BA brings up a fair point. Uh, Zach Schmidt has kicked a couple of kickoffs out of bounds as well. He did that on Saturday. Okay, yeah, that was, that was not great. <laughs> and as soon as he hit it, it was, uh, that one's going out of bounds. That's, that's, that's not, not great. I, I watched that. Mm. It, was, it was interesting mm. the thought I had in the moment because I was like, huh. Illegal procedure on a kickoff, a kickoff going out of bounds, that's really the only time you get penalized in football for sucking at your job. Yeah. Well, like, th- everything else is something that's contra- contrary to the rules. We've had a couple people say, well, I think they're talking about the punter. Well, the, the text said kicker. Are we going to have a new kicker this week? So, I, I don't I, – it just said kicker, not punter. So, I'm, I'm going with kicker for now and letting you know that Texas is a little bit nervous about their kicker situation heading into this weekend. Uh, let me find this one from the, uh, I think it was from the 918. Um, actually, basically asking, you know, we keep talking about, we often discuss who OU could potentially flip. Who should we worry about about trying to flip our commitments and which commitment is it? I mean, I'm sure people are still I, contacting is, David Stone. Yeah, but this is a question I get asked a lot, and he I always seem uh, on flip watch to yeah, me. I, I typically decline to answer this question because unless there is mad smoke about a kid decommitting, I don't want to be the origin of that rumor. I don't want somebody to hear me on the radio say, well, I can see so-and-so team flipping XYZ commit down the road. Like the guy at the other station who saw on Instagram that Jackson Arnold was on Flip Watch last year? Yeah, exactly. Year? Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. I, uh, t- I I flipped the dial over just to check out check in on the competition at one point while I was driving last week, and he was talking about the Atlanta Braves, which I'm sure you, you would have loved. I but. love the Atlanta Braves. I never talk about the Atlanta <laughs> Braves. Why? Because there's Braves fan. There's not Braves fans listening. There's OU fans listening. It's not hard. Anyway, go ahead. Or was that it? Uh, I can't even. But 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 yeah. Basically, I don't want to be the origin of rumors based on comments that get taken out of context that suddenly mm-hmm. put a kid's commitment status with the University of Oklahoma in question amongst the fan base. Like that's not wise. Guy from Katusa said on my comments on Schmidt. That's like saying a bad pass is okay if it's a spiral. Horse poop. Now, listen, I, the point is, yeah, Zach Schmidt has missed field goals. I'm not trying to make excuses for Zach Schmidt. I'm not trying to minimize the issue at hand. Yeah, a kicker should make more kicks than they miss. A lot more kicks than they miss. But you're a lot more willing to write it off as just kind of the natural peaks and valleys of kicker production when you see a guy only missing by a few inches here a few inches there when Burkich was struggling in 2021 some of his misses weren't even close man and so again is is Zach Schmidt at the absolute top of his game right now no but does Oklahoma have kicker issues at least for the moment, not yet. no, I would not be willing to say that. Not yet. And, and, and if he hits a couple big field goals um, this week, you can't do more for your confidence than hitting a couple of big field goals in this game, a couple of clutch field goals, you know? So we'll, This game would be the game we'll to do We'll check it. back in on Monday to see how we feel. Hey, a quick note on Elite 2025 tight end, Nate Roberts from Washington, Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Via Rivals, it says Ohio State – is going to be a contender for the former Notre Dame commit, and Oklahoma could be very difficult to beat in the end, but Penn State is becoming a serious contender here as well. 
The Washington-Oklahoma 2025 four-star tight end was recently in Happy Valley and his relationship with Coach James Franklin and position coach Ty Howell are some of the best in his recruitment. Roberts also loves how the Nittany Lions develop players at tight end, and that could go a long way in his decision. So, he's evaluating his options here, which is what we thought he would do after that Notre Dame decommitment. So, you still in good shape, but he's going around some other places and checking it out. And again, I would be surprised if he's not a Sooner in the end. That's, that's my feeling on it. Yeah, I, that's, it, as it stands today, I, I think that's a really good way to go about it. 405-651-3439. We'll, uh, we'll get to a ton of text coming up next segment, I promise. Ton of text, Cruton, OU Texas. Let's do it right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. Let's get to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. From the 818, Cody in the 918, I should say, over under on Sark turning into the Hulk after being touched by an event staffer. <laughs> not the best look from Sark last year at the Alamo Bowl, right before that game against Washington. He has not pulled that this year, or at least if he has, uh, no one's caught it on camera. Yeah, Vegas has that one at even money. I think so. I think he might be a little stressed going into Saturday's game. That could happen. 865 from the state of Tennessee. Did Stutzman get hurt at the end of the game? Not according to him. Was it Jesse over uh, an OU yeah, Insider that asked him? And Danny was like, well, I, no, I, I don't remember what you're talking about. I've got no idea. He hasn't lost his sense of humor completely. He's a lot more businesslike than he was as a freshman and sophomore. But very evidently, that sense of humor, uh, he's still got it. Now, a lot, a lot of other folks, and I don't think I ever addressed this, a lot of other folks were asking about Brandon Thompson because they noticed that he kind of pulled up a little gimpy on Tawi Walker's long run that was called back. And I listen, Brandon Thompson is fine. We talked to him yes, after post game. If, well. if he had any serious injury, any injury that was going to hamper him in the long term or threaten his availability for next weekend's game, he wouldn't have been made available by the Oklahoma communications staff. But he was walking just fine when he came into the post game interview room and expressed a ton of excitement for the matchup this weekend in the Cotton Bowl, which understandably he's got as unique a perspective as anybody on sure. what we're about to witness this coming Saturday. I just love how he uh, finally gets in the game the week before they play Texas, right? Just to, just to throw it out uh-huh. there. Just to throw yeah. it out there. By the way, is wide receiver their best position group? I'd say so, man. If the not, playmakers it's like two, in that stable. Hello. Jaden Gibson is night and day a different player oh than he gosh, was a year man. ago. Nick Anderson just finds the end zone. And then Andrew Lanthony, Jalil Farouk, I think we already – like we talk about Anderson and Gibson so much, I think we're already taking Andrew Lanthony and Jalil Farouk for granted a little bit. Now, and that's not to mention Drake Stoops as well. They're just – they are deep at that position, man. And we have brought this up a few times, but I want to continue to do so because it was a big hire, man. That was a – that was a big hire for Brent's. You know, hiring a new wide receivers coach this last offseason. And that was a money hire, man. On the recruiting side, on the development side. That is, um, that guy, I think like Brian Hartline is right now, like thought of as the best wide receivers coach in college football. Yeah. I'm just telling you, man, I, I think a lot of people, if they start paying attention to what's going on here, we're going to look up in a year or two and say, well, OU's got one of the top five receiver coaches yeah, and in the look, country. This is, this is no knock on LaDamian Washington at all, but 
you see what a difference coaching can make one year to the next. LaDamian Washington was in his first year as an on-field coach, not just a position coach, an on-field coach in any capacity. Emmett Jones has been around the block a time or two, and what you see in 2023 is same guys from a year ago, on a completely, completely different, different man. I mean, Jaden Gibson is the best example there. He's got six catches, and you you can make a highlight reel out of his season so far because every catch has been spectacular. Uh, from the nine one eight. All right, guys, I have to ask. Be honest. Who has the edge at quarterback on Saturday? It was interesting. One of my guests for the uh, pregame show Saturday was twenty four seven Sports National College Football writer Chris Hummer, who is a Texas grad. Yeah, and he said. Yeah, I like the advantage Oklahoma has at quarterback. So interesting. I like again. Chris is a pro. He doesn't display any obvious bias towards Texas anyway. But it's just interesting to see and hear a guy who has covered Texas in the past, who graduated from the University of Texas, and he is freely acknowledging, yeah, Oklahoma's better right now at quarterback than Texas is. And I like. I don't think it's sunshine pumping to say. I agree with that. I think Dylan Gabriel is it's playing on a It's not by a wide level. margin. I think no, it's a no, slim no. margin. Yeah, but I think Dylan Gabriel, pound for pound, is playing on a higher level right now than Quinn Ewers. But I, I don't think that that – I mean, that's, that's a big part of this game on Saturday, obviously. I think the biggest question, and not because it's always or almost always one of the most important ingredients in a game, just because of where both offenses are at, trying to figure out who's going to run the ball better on Saturday because both teams have had their issues. Now, Texas looked a lot better yeah. running the ball. A lot better. Kansas, a lot better. It looks fantastic. But, yeah, man, that's that's been a big question mark for both teams. By the way, speaking of, uh, before we get out of here, speaking of uh, your portion of the pregame show, we were listening while Kevin Sperry was on, and my wife and I are walking to O'Connell's to do the postgame show, and she says, wait, did Kevin Sperry pick the game correctly? He said like 50 to 20 (laughs) or 50 to 21 or something. He missed it by one point. He missed it by one point, man. Kevin Sperry, elite quarterback, elite recruiter, elite score predictor as well. The Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref.